Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'm only going to look at one verse tonight. I think after this morning's bruising treatment that I gave you, that it might be good enough just to look at one verse uh, tonight. Uh, some of you that were not here this morning, we looked at Acts chapter 17 and looked at the whole discourse basically of Paul's address uh, to the Athenians there at the Areopagus. And so I took a little extra time. So I borrowed that time this morning from tonight. That's what I'm planning on. All right. But I do want to uh, look at this because I think it goes hand in hand with what we talked about this morning, but also what we have been talking about, especially on Sunday night. On Sunday night, we have been looking at this book of Colossians, but in particular, the last few weeks, we've looked at chapter three. And you'll remember that I've told you that this chapter in particular begins to crystallize Paul's belief that the, that the Christian, that that one which has followed Christ is a different person. And he's trying to communicate that now to the church at Colossae. He, he's talked to them about Christ and who Christ is. He's talked to them about the heresy that was coming against them. But now he's really just bearing down and reminding them of who they are, who they are in Christ. And over the last few weeks, and I know there have been a few different preachers who have addressed you from chapter three, but over the last few weeks, we've talked about how we're to put off some things in our lives, right? Before we're Christians, before we come to Christ, there are some actions, there are some motives, there are some thoughts, there's some things that we just need to crucify. We need to put those things to rest. But then God gives us something to put on. We put off that oh uncleanness, but we put on Christ Jesus. He doesn't leave us naked. He doesn't leave us embarrassed. As a matter of fact, he gives us something far better, a clothing that we can wear, a righteousness that we have. And it's not based upon our righteousness. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that he imputes to us. That's what we're taught in scripture. It is imputed to the believers who are in Christ. Now, over the last few weeks uh, as well, I've had a lot of conversations about uh, salvation and baptism with people, especially as we've had Bible school and as we've had a few other camps. There have been a lot of children who have been in my office with their parents talking to me about salvation and about baptism. And of course, first and foremost, we need to make sure that they are convicted by God and that they are actually coming to be saved, not just being baptized, right? Baptism is important. I always say that, but it is not salvation. So we talk to them about salvation. And if I feel like that they have, they have come to that point as I relate to their parents, as I talk with them through this situation, if I believe that they've been saved, I will talk to them about baptism. And one of the things I always tell them is that one, baptism is important because we're told to be baptized. The scripture teaches us that we should be baptized. And also it declares to everybody what has happened to you inwardly, right? And I'll, I'll always go through this. I said, now you, you've probably seen me baptize people before. I put them all the way under the water and all the way back up. And they'll usually look at me, especially children. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I see that. I said, yes. And so we do that. One of the reasons, again, that we do that is because we believe that's the way they did that in the New Testament. The word baptized means to like put people all the way under the water and bring them all the way back up. I'll tell them that. And then I'll say, 
But also note this. It, it is the best picture of what Jesus did for us and really what he, is, what he has done for us in salvation. When, when somebody is put all the way under the water, it communicates the death and burial of Jesus Christ. When they come up out of the water, what is it? Is it the idea that Jesus has been resurrected? It is no better, I, I can think of no better gospel picture than baptism. I mean, right there. Of course, I've shared my testimony with you before that that's how I was. I came to Christ. I'd been in the church and heard my Sunday school teachers. I was like 12 years old. I'd heard it. I'd, I'd been there every time that the doors opened, okay? Every time. I'm one of those, like, I started attending church nine months before I was born. <laughs> and I always tell people, I mean, my mother was one of those, like, when uh, it came church time, uh, she, she would tell us, you know, get ready and all of that. We'd be getting ourselves together. And maybe if I said, mom, I'm sick, she would say, you're sick. And I'd say, yes, ma'am, I'm sick. And she'd say, prove it. <laughs> My mom, I'm not telling you she was the best uh, parenting example for anybody. So I'm going to tell you, there were times when like, it would be like, if I had gotten sick just to prove it, she would have said, now don't you feel so much better or so that you've done that? Let's go to church. That's the way she was. She was one of those who brought her sick kids all the time. Sorry, sorry. But I was in church all my life. And then all of a sudden I saw this baptism. And I mean, it just wrecked me that Sunday night. It was a Sunday night. That's when we did our baptisms back in that time. We always did Sunday night for some reason. And it just wrecked me. I left that place and I knew for the first time, really, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I had seen that Jesus died and rose again right before me. And of course, I relented to that Spirit's conviction and accepted Christ as my Lord. But I think about that, baptism, and what it communicates, because it also communicates this. And this is what I tell children, is that it says there's like a part of you that's like gone, like the old self. Like when I go under, now I have to try to communicate it, you know, very sensitively. Because if you got children, you're telling them that they're dying when they go under the water. <clears throat> I've learned through the years. I've got a little experience now. Uh, I've probably scared some kids away from the church years ago, but, uh, but it's the idea that it's like the old is going away. It's like, yeah, I communicated that Jesus died and rose again, but also what I communicated when I was baptized is that the old Reggie is like, it's, it's passing away. When I came up out of those waters, it was like I was declaring to everybody, I am a new creature in Christ. Jesus has put himself, his life, his identity, his vitality, he has put those things in me and on me. And that's what we communicate. And it's exactly what Paul has been saying. You put off some things, you put on some things. You're a new creature in Christ. Christ is your all in all. He said, obviously, you put up with some things in life because guess what? We're in a fallen world. And we all still mess up and there are people in the church that will mess up. But he said, what do you do? You forgive those people. You bear with those people. And then last week we talked about how in this process of sanctification, in this process of growth, we're to put in. We're to put in his word. We allow his word to dwell richly in us. And we are also to be able to uh, teach and admonish one another in his word as we sing and as we worship. So notice the progression. I keep going through that because I want you to see this. And as you're studying the scripture, I often, 
hope that when I preach, I'm modeling for you a way to study the scripture, for you to look through it for yourself. I want you to continue to like read through the context and see this because you can see the progression of what Paul is saying. So when you come to verse 17, some of you say, well, it's just one verse. Put it in context of what he has been saying and what he's going to say. Verse 17, he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he says, if you're going to put off and put on, if you're going to put up with some things and you're going to put in the Holy, or the word of God, the holy word of God, if you're going to put that in, then you ought to be able to put forth, to put forth an example of Christ, to put forth the gratitude that is necessary to the Father. In other words, what he says is that all of this doctrinal, theological substance that he's giving you ought to work itself out into practical application each and every day of your life. If you're going to put the word in you and you're going to sing, for example, and admonish one another and teach one another, that when you, when you go out and whatever you do, in whatever you do, then you are going to do it in word or deed. You're going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what he says. So what we do, hopefully, on Sundays, and let's say Wednesday, we come and we put the word in and we hear God's doctrine, we hear good teaching, and we know that we are different in Christ, that should impact us to live differently on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even, again, as we come back on Sunday, right? It should impact us. As I said last week, as it related to Scripture, we don't just try to get through Scripture. We try to let the Scripture get through us. And if the scripture truly gets through us and filters its way into our lives, then it will impact how we act and how we talk. In whatever you do, in whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So practically applying this, what does God want us to do each and every day? He wants us to reflect Christ in everything. Back in verse 11, Christ is all and in all, right? So that means in everything that we do, not just in the church's activity or programs, in everything we do personally, Christ is all and in all, and we are to reflect him in everything that we do. Everything. And that's the reason he covers it in such an exhaustive way, whatever, and then saying in word or deed. So whatever comes out of my mouth on Monday should reflect Christ, right? Let me, let me show you this. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, when you see name, it is like in the personhood. It's like synonymous. Like the name is always synonymous with the person or the character. Whether, again, Old Testament, New Testament. Sometimes they would um, give names to individuals to reflect some characteristic or maybe even some event in the person's life. Go back, for example, and think of Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. Esau means what? It means like red, because he was the red, hairy one. That's a great name to carry with you all your life. 
the red hairy one. Of course, that was his characteristic. That's what he looked like. Jacob, well, he was the heel because literally he was grabbing onto the heel of Esau. Remember that event? So he was the heel, the trickster is what he came to be known as. I mean, that's a good name. That showed, I mean, he started off grabbing the heel and he was still a heel many years later on in his life. He never could shake that name until God changed his name. Right? To Israel. Because names were so important. Well, the name of Jesus Christ, it means in the personhood, in the character of Jesus. So whatever you do in word or deed, you are emulating the very person and the character of Jesus. You're reflecting him in everything. Now, it's so easy to reflect him when we sing, How Great Thou Art. So easy. It might be a little more difficult, and let me just capitalize on something I said this morning, but it may be more difficult to reflect the character of Jesus when that telemarketer calls you. See what's funny? Sometimes things that are comical in the 9 o'clock Blended or it doesn't go over as well in the 1115 gathering or, or vice versa. Okay. But it was amazing this morning. I talked about how sometimes we get upset with telemarketers and I mentioned that in the nine and all of a sudden you, you could feel the spirit of God just speaking to people <laughs> and, and people were kind of responding and 1115 gathering. Guess what? It was the same response today. The same, I said, see, th these telemarketers are hitting nerves, Right. They're really bearing down on people. It's getting kind of, we're at a breaking point with telemarketers. And yet, what we're told here is the way we respond in our speech to anybody, even the most difficult person, we should reflect Christ Jesus and who we are in our wording, in everything we do. Hey, you on a ball field and you're rooting on your child or grandchild? It should be Jesus. It should be. Jesus should impact your speech. And Paul will even talk about it later as he'll talk about how it, your speech should be gr with grace and seasoned with salt. We'll come back to that in chapter 4, verse 6 later. But here, he just says, Jesus should be reflected in the way you talk. Not just on Sundays, but on Mondays through Saturdays. And in what you do. And how you act. In the things that you're a part of. It should be about Jesus and who you are. We as Christians are so tempted to compartmentalize our lives. We do it, and I think the world tries to help us with this some. We kind of put Jesus and our spiritual life kind of like here, over here. Sunday mornings, we're in church. Sunday nights, obviously, we're in church. Wednesday nights, we're in church. It's, that's kind of like our spiritual life. Life. We, we put it over that. That's how it's in. Oh, yeah, some of us pray and some of us will read scripture maybe and do devotions in the mornings. And that will be, again, our spiritual life. So our spiritual life is there. 
But then what do we do? We, we kind of leave that there. Now, now, we don't technically go out and tell people we are, because that would look bad. But we kind of leave it there. And then it's kind of like we have our family life. And we got to deal with a family. So here's the family that we're going to deal with. Did I mention my sister's coming in, by the way? Anyway, somebody texted me this afternoon and said, I would take her, but I've got too many of my own coming in right now. I'll pray for you. You pray for me, I told them this afternoon. Our family life is just kind of like over here. Now, again, as long as it intersects like on a Sunday, a Wednesday, whatever else, then that, it, it, the spiritual and the family can come together. We got that. But in those certain areas. And then we got our work life. Okay, then we got our, our work. We're, we're in a, now, I know some of you look and say, well, it's so easy for you because you're working here in church. You know, you just got to be about Jesus. You got to talk to people about Jesus and all this. There are so many that we, we say, this is our work. This is totally different from our spiritual or religious life. I've even, you've even, as I said, seen this in culture. Sometimes uh, in our leaders, they would kind of like, well, this is the personal side. This is the other side. This is, Jesus should not just be part of your life. He should be your life. What did Paul say to the Philippians? It was written in the same time frame as Colossians. He said to live as Christ. To die is gain. To live. My very life is about Christ. He says Christ is all and in all. He's everything. Now I know some of you are looking and saying, yeah, that's the Apostle Paul. You'd expect that of him. I mean, he is. He's the Apostle. He was the one that was preaching to everybody. And all. I'm not Paul. None of us in this place are Paul. But oh, if we had the passion for Christ like Paul did. It should impact every area of our lives. He said, whatever you do, whatever, word or deed, you do it in the name of Jesus Christ. You reflect him. I'm afraid sometimes this is where there has been a disconnect with the world. Because the world looks and sees people who say that they are about Christ and they maybe sing in the choir, not trying to knock choir members, but maybe they sing in the choir on Sunday morning. Maybe they teach a Sunday school class. Maybe they're a deacon. And yet, when that same individual conducts his business in the community, he is not known for integrity. He is not known necessarily uh, to do excellence in his work. As a matter of fact, you might hear that same guy use language that is anything but wholesome and uplifting to the name of Christ. And the world looks at that and for them, they can't figure it out because there's a disconnect. Now we would say, oh, but it's compartmentalizing. He is, but... You know, there's some things, I mean, business is business. Uh, there's just some things the way you do business. And, you know, you can't necessarily do it with all these other. For the believer, 
there should be no separation between one speech and walk on Sunday and one speech and walk on Monday. There should be no separation. There should be only consistency in who we are as we reflect Christ in everything. Jesus has not come into your life so that he could be the Lord of your Sunday. He has come into your life so that he could be the Lord of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. That's what the Lordship of Jesus means. It, is, it means that he is the Lord and that he is the Lord over everything. Everything. So he's the Lord over your finances. He is the Lord over your health. He is the Lord over your workplace. He is the Lord over everything in your life. And we are to submit our words and our actions to him. So we should say, we're doing this in your name, Jesus. I was reading earlier this week about this and I was reminded of how often we do end our prayers in Jesus' name, right? Almost always in the church's life. You'll hear that. Now, I know that can be just a tra tradition, but what we intend to do is to be asking, obviously in the power of Jesus' name, because we have access through Jesus' name, but also we're hoping, and I would hope we, that we are praying in the will and the purpose of Jesus and Jesus' name that we're doing in Jesus' name. We're going to pray. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. Well, how about we do everything else in Jesus' name too? Let's sing in Jesus' name. Let's preach in Jesus' name. Let's work in our office in Jesus' name. Let's watch Toy Story 4 in Jesus' name. <laughs> whatever it is. He said, whatever. Whatever it is, whatever we choose to do, we ought to do it in Jesus' name. Reflecting his character, reflecting his purpose, reflecting his plan every day. Because he is Lord. Just as Paul was telling those Athenians this morning, as we spoke about it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. And the fullness of this earth is his. Everything about it is his. And it's going to be applied. Oh, it's going to be fun to look at some of these a little later on because it's going to be applied in family relationships. Verse 18, wives submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands love your wives. Do not be bitter toward them. Children, notice he's setting this up. He's, he's saying whatever you do. And then all of a sudden he's about, he's about to meddle. He's about to get involved in your family life. Then he's going to get involved in your workplace. Then he's going to keep digging because he's setting you up saying, get ready. And I'll say this at this point. For example, with our families. I know sometimes I'll hear people, not necessarily, I really haven't heard it too often recently about, hey, we need marriage conference. We do that. And we all do. We do need these things. I'm not knocking them whatsoever. But you know what we really need in our churches? We really just need believers to start acting like Christ. And if a husband started acting more like Christ, 
and was drawn, then I guarantee you the marriage would be better. And if the wife would try to emulate Christ, if you have the children, you have the parents, I, the family could be turned upside down by just saying, whatever we do, whatever we do, we do it in the personhood and character of Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we reflect Christ. And I want to say this briefly. We rejoice in the Father. We rejoice in him. Now I've seen that theme already in Colossians. That's another reason I love studying these books like this. It's because you get the themes. You get to hear those uh, repetitive type of commands. He's already reminded us how we ought to be thankful. Here he comes back and says, okay, whatever you're doing, you're going to do it to reflect Christ. And you're going to rejoice in the Father. You're going to thank him in that process. <laughs> we could never thank him enough. Never. You think Sunday morning is good enough or great enough for us to be able to worship him? I love that Sunday morning, but that's not enough. Oh, I come on Sunday night. Y'all be proud I'm here Sunday night. I am very proud. This is not enough. Wednesday night's not enough. Your devotions in the morning's not enough. Every moment of every day, we ought to be living with gratitude toward the Father and what he's done. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every day. Because what did Paul say to those Athenians? He said, he didn't need us. We needed him. He's not, his existence is not based on who we are. But our existence very much depends on him. And as I said the very breath that we have that we got up with this morning is because Jesus, because the ruler of this universe, because the Lord himself gave us that breath. The reason we have a church here is because he's the one who founded us and put us together as a family of God. The reason we have the resources, the reason we have a building, because of Christ Jesus. The reason we have air conditioning in the summer, thanks be to him. He's the one who gave it to us. Everything. So when you reflect Christ, you also rejoice in the Father in everything that you do. Because He is the giver of every good gift. I want us to close tonight. And um, as I was sitting there earlier, I said, I said you know, I think what we're going to do tonight Miss Margie, would you come? Would you come to the piano? I'm going to let Margie play for us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. Because, you know, I think there are probably some areas of our lives that we just need to submit again to the Lordship of Jesus. We surrendered in salvation, but you and I should know by now that the Christian life is a constant surrender to the Spirit's work to Christ in our lives. Maybe right now, as we pray, just with your head bowed and eyes closed as Miss Margie plays, maybe just a certain area of your life, your work, maybe your health because you're trying to take that over yourself and not giving that to him, your family, maybe just submit some of these things to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, it's been a while since we've talked about this, but I give this to you. 
I want whatever I do to reflect you in my speech and in my actions. Just take this moment. With your head bowed and eyes closed, could you all say, just join me? And let's just say collectively, God, thank you. Let me lead us in a prayer. Father, we come. And God, I thank you for those who are here. And God, I do pray that whatever we do, we do it in your name. Certainly, Lord, we pray that as a church, collectively. But God, I pray that as we walk out these doors. Pray it in the way we communicate with our spouse. Pray it in the way we communicate with our children, grandchildren. I pray it in the way that we conduct our business tomorrow and this week. I pray it in the way we um, cheer on our favorite teams. Our Lord, even as we sit down to eat together as a family, I pray that we always do whatever we do in your name to reflect you. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are and for what you've done and for how you sent Jesus to provide for us salvation. And God, we know if you're concerned and big enough to take care of our eternity, that you're big enough to take care of our here and now. Father, thank you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?